This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Hey, this is Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Hello and welcome to Two-Tone Uncensored. I am your host, Ryan Moreland. With me tonight, the man who drunk-dialed Kevin Dyson, Matt Necrone. How you doing, Matt? I'm good, man. No more drunk-dialing. Kevin uh, may or may not have forgiven me. I'm working my way back. Tighten up. (laughs) There you have it. Also with me, the man who is turning into the negative Matt Necrone type, Glenn Lotzenheister. And what's up, Glenn? You used to be so happy. I am still happy. You're the one who's being negative. I'm always positive, man. No. No. None of you can do it like me. It doesn't matter. Oh, no. I don't, I don't, you're like the Eeyore in person. I'm more of like a grumpy old man as opposed to a donkey. So, um, I kind of knew what I was getting into when I turned you know, like 12 ish. I was like, you know, get off my lawn. And that, I just ran with it ever since <laughs> it's worked well for you. I'm comfortable, man. Yeah. All right, guys, before we jump into the show proper, we don't want to remind everyone. We have the raffle going on just for two bucks. You enter for a chance to win two tickets to the week nine matchup, Tennessee Titans versus the Baltimore Ravens in Nissan stadium. Very excited to do this. Uh, we got the tickets from Brandon Williams. He's the one that donated the tickets last year. So big shout out to him. Good friend of the show. But all you have to do is is PayPal us uh, two bucks per ticket, and you know five bucks for three tickets, or ten dollars for ten tickets, and anything above ten dollars. You can buy a, a million tickets if you want to. It's a dollar per ticket above ten dollars. So all you got to do is buy a ticket. You're automatically entered for a chance to win these good tickets. It's awesome. You might have a chance to go to a game for two bucks. You know, it, it's an awesome deal out there. So we'd love for everybody to get involved. If you want more information, check out our Facebook page at Two Tone Podcast on Facebook, and it'll have all the details that you need. So you can enter and win those tickets, man. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you not to buy 50 tickets, but I mean, you should go. If you're going to go that route, you might as well just call Ticketmaster. You know what I'm saying? Get it yourself. But yeah. if you're trying to win some cheap tickets this is where you need to be matt is already ruining our sales pitch (laughs) this is why matt does not do sales i have to break it listen i gotta break it down for the guys who are like oh well you know if i wanted to do that no you spend five bucks you get seats that's it there you go do it you spend 500 bucks matt will just give you the tickets and then keep the money that's true i will buy you tickets for 500 bucks no problem all right, and we're going to be running that until about the season start. And right about the season start, we will have on the show, we're going to do a live drawing and uh, pick the person on there, and we'll announce it on air and, and then get in touch with you so we can send you those tickets if you do win. But let's jump into the show, guys. we got a full mailbag this week. First one up, good friend of the show, Tyler Musson, asks this one. Which AFC South team are you most worried about this season? For me, it's got to be Houston Texans, despite what you guys may think about their quarterback situation. 
I think other than the Titans, they are the most complete team. I, I don't know that Deshaun Watson is going to have a great impact, you know, week one. He probably doesn't start week one. But I do think by probably week six or seven of, of seeing nothing out of Tom Savage, he will get to take over. And, you know, despite what you guys may think, I think he'll be all right. So uh, that defense and potentially a decent offense, that's going to be our biggest threat. You heard it here first. Watson leads the Texans to the Super Bowl. Matt said it. Yeah, that's what I said. That's exactly what I heard. So the team I'm most worried about is the Titans. No one can stop us but ourselves. It's all about believing in yourself and showing up to play every week, giving 110%, drinking your Gatorade, stretching. That was a great answer until you started talking about Gatorade and stretching. That's outside the box, Glenn. I like that. Absolutely. We're the only ones who can stop us. We, we showed it last year. You know, It all points back to the Jags game. You, you saw what happened whenever you show up and you expect to win. If, if they keep their head on right, they've seen what happens whenever they do everything the right way. They're going to be an absolutely dominant team. So as long as they show up and they do their things, they should be all right. I'm just worried about their heads getting big or you know, something bad happening and them giving up. Or I'm only worried about our team. What everybody else does is irrelevant. If we show up and play our game and do it the right way, we should win. You've said it on the show many times, Glenn, but you always say we know how to lose and come back. Now we need to learn how to win and keep it going. And that's a good point. I'm going to go with the Colts here. So you're going to get three different answers. They did make some improvements along the offensive line. I, I still think they're going to have a lot of questions there, but it is going to be better. Their defense has made some moves. Really, if you can get an, an offensive line that can keep pressure off of Andrew Luck and you can get Andrew Luck going, you're going to have a good team. He's just a talented guy. As much as you know, we hate to admit it, he's a very talented quarterback. So that's the team that I think I'm most worried about because – the Texans have a good defense, and their offense outside of quarterback is pretty solid, but they don't have a quarterback on that roster that can lead them to more than an average season, in my opinion. Right now, I think Watson could develop, and I could hear like Matt in the background getting ready to jump on top of me, but I think Watson will one day be a quarterback that can you know, do more with the team. But right now, going into rookie season, and he's going to learn how to run an NFL offense, I think he's going to have some trouble with that like most quarterbacks do coming into the league. So right now, it's Andrew Luck, really. You can, you know, just him. (laughs) It's not the team around him as much as it's just him. He's a great football player, and if that offensive line can keep him upright and pressure off of him, then he's going to be dangerous. We've seen it early in his career, and and now that they got rid of, like, Grigson and company, they're going to be building better teams. So we need to get to the point on defense where that's not a problem for us. I think that's the team I'm most worried about, but obviously I still think the Titans are the team to beat in the AFC South. Uh, Moving on to the next one here, guys, from Derek Butt. What is your favorite Titans moment other than the Music City Miracle or the Super Bowl? I go back to last season, you know, because if you're not talking about the glory days, there's not much else to talk about but last season. So, you could say the four-touchdown game, uh, Mariota's debut, that was awesome. I'll probably never forget that either. But my favorite play, other than the miracle, would have to be the 87-yard touchdown run by Mariota. Yeah, so since Matt just took both of mine, um, I'm going to go back to the Oilers. Oh, Jesus. Earl, that's right. Deal with it, Matt. <laughs> when Earl Campbell ran over the Rams, uh, everybody's seen the hit where he like, he jumps over a guy and he lowers his – you know, head and shoulder, and just crushes Isaiah Robertson. 
Jim Brown was at that game and saying that was one of the best runs he's ever seen in his life. So when Jim Brown says that was one of the greatest runs of all time, that's one of the greatest runs of all time. For me, you know, we've talked, me and Matt have both talked about on the show, it's our most hated team, and that being the Steelers. So growing up, when we had, you know, McNair and Eddie George, and the Steelers had like Cordell Stewart and were just pretty bad, just beating up on Pittsburgh like constantly was nice. Like every time we beat Pittsburgh, it's just, I get to talk so much shit until we like play them the next time. But that era, I mean, you're talking about like from 97 to 2001, we won every single game we played against them. And and then after that, you know, we went on another winning streak. So it's just beating the Steelers all those times when I was young was, that's one of my favorite memories. Because I got, in my area, it's predominantly Steelers fans uh, where I grew up. So you just got to talk so much shit to everybody that, you know, just bleeds uh, black and gold. So that was probably my favorite up until like, you know, these newer seasons, obviously there's a lot to love in the last couple of years, but that was one that I'll always cherish is beating the hell out of the Steelers. Hey, also when, I, when you talk about hating on the Steelers, my f- most memorable moment is the, uh, the Keith Bullock, the Javon curse blowing his nose on the towel. The, I think Lendell stomped it as well. Like that was, that was probably one of my favorite other, other Titans moments. That was awesome, and I almost used that, but it was also like what led to the curse for us. <laughs> so I, cu- I couldn't do it. It just did not go well for us after that. So I couldn't I couldn't add it just for that reason. But it's definitely one I thought of. All right, guys, jumping into the next one here. A similar styled question here from good friend of the show, Chris Epps. What is your favorite Titans slash Oilers memorabilia that you have? For me, uh, as I look around, I got a bunch of stuff, man. But honestly, I mean, I got I got framed autograph from Curse, McNair, George. I also have a Chris Johnson mini helmet from his 2,000-plus uh, yard season. But honestly, I mean, I, I never got any of those things in person, so they don't hold, you know, special meaning to me. Uh, I got a ton, a ton, a ton of Titan shit. I think honestly, the out of all the stuff I'm looking at right now, I have a genuine <laughs> prison-made Titans. I don't even know what you would call it. I have it framed. It's a cloth, I guess. But uh, <laughs> it was it was made for me inside of a prison. Somebody had it made for me. I'll actually post a picture of it later on. But that's probably that's probably <laughs> that's probably the uh, the most sentimental Titans piece I have. But I got tons of. Titan shit everywhere. Just none of it has any personal, you know. I I didn't meet any of those guys to get those autographs. So uh, I also have a my brother in law actually made it for me. It's two pieces of steel, I guess, but it's two helmets, a Titans and an Oilers meeting, like clashed together. He's a welder, so he basically welded them together, or I don't even know how he did it. But it's basically the Titans and the Oilers going head to head against each other, and that's on my wall right now as well. I've met. Warren Moon and Earl Campbell. I have autographed jerseys from them, but I did not get them from them when they were signed. So same kind of deal with Matt. It's like they're really special to me, but they're not like, you know, he signed this and gave this to me. I do have a uh, Ray Childress football that he signed and gave to me back in 1979, back in the old days. Get off my lawn. That, that, that one I've always kept. It's really special to me. So it's probably my favorite piece as far as someone actually handing it to me and giving it to me. Thanks, Mean Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I was, what, five? <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a helmet, one of the, you know, helmets 
that Eddie George signed, and I was actually there to get it. And he was like my favorite player from that era of, of the Titans was Eddie George, and probably still my favorite player of all time, if I'm being honest. And I got to you know got to meet him in person, and he, he signed it, and so that was something that I've always, always like cherished and been like incredibly protective of. And it's something that I've owned for probably eleven years or something like that now. So. It's surprising that I've had it that long, but uh, you know I'm looking at it right now. It's something I've always liked. Jason Irons asked this next one, guys. Favorite Titan or Oiler in history that wasn't a star player? Well, as long as you allow that defensive linemen and offensive line can, can be star players, I will take out those guys and go with you know like a Carl Klug type guy, but back in the Oilers' day, which again is Ray Childress. He was kind of a star, but most people don't know him because you're an interior defensive lineman. You know, you're playing on a team with you know superstars. No one really knows who that guy is. And like I said, I got a autographed football from him. He's my favorite guy. I'm having a hard time, but the, the one underdog that always pops into my mind that I always liked was Billy Volek. He's probably not my favorite underdog. Well, coming from an underdog standpoint, there's nobody that that can beat him. I think that you know. He worked hard. He finally got his chance. Actually played fairly well when he was put into games, but he just wasn't built like an NFL quarterback, so it never really panned out for him. It's tough to say. I think, man, I'd have to really go back. There's probably some, man, it's it's tough. I'm going to stick with with Billy Volek, but, I mean, there's a bunch of guys that that I could name. Justin McCarrens was one. McBride? Trey McBride? No. No, no, no. (laughs) Uh, there was there was guys that I had high hopes for that never really panned out either, like Ben Troop. Yeah, I don't know, man. There's there's a bunch of guys I can name. I'm not gonna say Donnie Nicky because he was on the team for 12 years and never did shit, but special teams. Educated guy though, speaks really well. Bob Vince Young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, Carl Klug immediately comes to mind. It's a guy that we talk about all the time, but I, I figured that that's what you guys would say, so I went with a, a different answer. Because I figured my uh, choice would be stolen by the time it came to me. And Drew Bennett was a guy, you know, wide receiver that played for us. I always really liked Drew Bennett a lot. He always just seemed like he kind of, like a hardworking kind of guy when he was on the team. And, and a funny story, like when I was, I mean, I was probably like 10 or so when he joined the team. And uh, my stepdad, like one of his best friends, was a guy named Steve Bennett. That My stepdad was a police officer and was a police officer on the force with him, his partner. And they had me convinced, like when I was like 10 or 11 years old, that it was Steve's brother was Drew Bennett in the NFL. So like for a year, I went around to like anybody that I knew that was a Titans fan or knew you know about Drew Bennett. I was like, I know his brother. Like he works with my stepdad. And then eventually they finally like told me. And then I got to feel like an asshat because for like a year I went around telling everybody that I knew Drew Bennett's brother. So that, that always sticks with me. But also I always liked him as a player a lot. Can we address the whole... Every time someone talks about a white receiver, he's hardworking. It does. It does come up a lot. Like it's every damn time. Yeah, he's a he's a gym rat. That's a, that's another one that's like hardworking. He's a gym rat. Like every single time. That's true. But I always liked Drew Bennett a lot. You know, he wasn't like really like a star, a guy you could throw a hundred targets in a season. But he was a guy that, yeah, I don't know. He was decent. He did his job well. I'm not bashing you for it. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. It does, like, every single white wide receiver, that it's just it's hard-working gym rat. Those are the things that you hear every single time. As far as these no-name guys that, that we kind of rooted for, Vincent Fuller was a great one that I used to like, who always rooted for. He stuck around for a few years. I don't know if you guys consider Kyle Vandenbosch 
you know, a low key guy, but he was definitely one of the favorites. And one guy that definitely earned his name in Tennessee, who I believe just retired, uh, Stephen Tullock, who was an undersized guy, but produced like, like no other at middle linebacker. So, uh, those are just a couple guys I forgot to mention earlier. Cause I was drawing a blank. I think I would have KVB under the star, um, section of players, but that is a good list of people. And you bring up Fuller, who's, whole family seems like they've gone pro yeah he's it's like the, Ma- the matthews family yeah exactly but let's jump into the news here guys not a lot to n- a news to cover obviously we're in that slow season right now getting ready for training camp uh, but we do have something pro football focus this week came out with their their predictions uh, for the upcoming season they predict that we will win the division. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but they said the Tennessee Titans will win the division going 9-7, and seven, with the Colts coming in second at 7-9, and nine, and then the Jaguars and Texans both finishing at 6-10. and 10. What are your guys' thoughts on this? I think a lot of people probably take us to be the uh, favorites, which we're not too familiar lately anyway being in that position, so it's probably not a good thing. I just hope the guys... In the locker room, kind of keep it together and don't let that go to their heads. But we are primed to win this division. I think we are going to. They say nine wins. I can easily see nine wins coming. I see probably 10 or 11, to be honest. I don't think that the the Colts may have seven wins, but I don't think that's going to be second place. I think that the Jags are probably still going to be in the basement of the division. But I really think the Texans and the Colts are going to be fighting for second. And it's it's not going to be you know, a huge lead either way. I think they're going to be a couple games behind us. I'm going to go ahead and make the, uh, the call that the Jags are better this year. Finally, uh, someone's got to do it. Might as well get it out of the way just because we keep saying it. It keeps not happening. Hopefully it works out that way again. So I'll put the Jags at second. The Colts, it all depends on what happens with Andrew Luck's shoulder. That could be a real problem. It could last the whole year. There's no telling. So I'm going to go to the Texans third and then the Colts last. My first reaction to seeing this is obviously, like I said earlier in the show, I've said several times this offseason, guys, is I think the Titans are going to win the division. I do, however, think we'll win more than nine games. That was my first reaction upon seeing it. Then when I saw everybody else's, you know, you talked about it, Glenn, that the Jaguars have to turn around and be good. Well, 6-10 and 10 would probably be uh, pretty solid for the Jaguars, the way things have been going the last uh, so many years. But well, I don't know, though. I, I think that the Jags will be third place. Either the Colts figure it out or the Texans you know, somewhat figure it out. That'll be your second-place team. I don't think any team's going to tank. I think 6-10 is a good like basement right now for this division because of all of these teams are getting better. We've said it. All of them got better in the offseason. All of them are moving in the right direction for right now, at least. So I think that 6-10 is probably going to be your last place team. And I'll go ahead and say I think it's going to be the Texans. Uh, then I think the Jaguars might jump up and get like a, a 7 maybe. 6-10 and 10 maybe, you know, tie, but get the tiebreaker, something like that. Colts, I still think the Colts are going to be the team to, to pressure us. But I really think that 7-9 and nine is not going to be good enough to be second in the division. And I don't think 9-7 and seven is going to be good enough to win it. Like I said, all these teams got better. And 9-7 and seven wasn't good enough to win it last year. One other thing I wanted to talk about with this pro football focus story, guys. Not only did they predict the AFC South standings, but also the standings for the entire AFC. So tell me what you think about these guys. 
They have the Patriots and the Steelers getting the bye into the playoffs. The Raiders and the Titans being the next two division winners. And then the Chargers and Chiefs being your wildcard teams. Meh. Pretty much. No, it doesn't sound wrong, necessarily. I I think the Chargers are going to jump up and surprise people this year. They they come back healthy. They've really done a lot of good for that team. Depends on kind of how Mike Williams turns out. I mean, if he can't stay healthy, they could have problems there. I'm not sold on the Chiefs. They did really well last year, but they lost a few key pieces. Chargers and the Chiefs is the wild card, though. It's not impossible. The question with the Chiefs is what do they do at quarterback? I don't Mm -hmm. know. You know, this whole Alex Smith – I still say he's their guy for now. I don't know how long that is, but you can only go so far with Alex Smith. I think they've been down that road. And also that we're uh, we're talking about the Chiefs. They have requested to interview Titans director of player personnel, Ryan Cowden, for their GM search. I don't know if they were granted permission, but they have asked to inter- interview him. But as far as... The Oakland Raiders, or the, excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders and the Titans, that's kind of like the popular hype train pick right now. Both of those teams are very young, up-and-coming teams. And honestly, you know, it's so fitting that we play them week one. I'm really anxious to see what we can do against them, and, and I think we are going to match up pretty well. Absolutely, Matt. That is going to be a huge game. But for me, looking at this group here, the Patriots being at the top is a no-brainer. They're going to stay there as long as Tom Brady continues to play in this league. After the Patriots, you have three teams that are in a kind of similar situation here with the Steelers, the Raiders, and then us as the Titans. Three teams that have very high-power offenses but have big holes on defense. I think the way you see these rankings work out is going to depend on which of these three teams' defenses stand up this season and really produce because all of them, like I said, have very, very good offenses. But so far on this list, I think they did a good job. My real question on the AFC side starts with the wild cards. The Chargers are a team led by Phillip Rivers, who I think is an outstanding quarterback and I think is a very underrated quarterback in this league, but they still have a lot of big holes. They have talent in certain spaces, but still a lot of big holes that they need to fill. The offensive line's not where it needs to be. The secondary still needs a lot of help. So I don't know if I put them there. Uh, The Chiefs are a team that that has a lot of weapons everywhere, it seems like, but quarterback's still going to be a question mark. Alex Smith is obviously not the answer if you want to win long term. Anything could happen, though. You never know, and it's way too early to start predicting the playoffs, but this is just not the two teams I think I would have picked for the wild card spot. But that's all we have for the news this week. As I said, not very much. We're in that slow season between mini camps and training camps. Always a slow part of the year. Moving on, though, Matt and Glenn, we are just over four weeks away from the start of training camp. So let's get into what are the most important questions for you facing this Titans team heading into this training camp. My biggest thing is seeing how the defense comes together on the back end. We've got three starting safeties back there. We've got three slot corners that we're going to be starting. I'm really curious to see what Dick LeBeau does with this group. A lot of of the teams in the NFL are switching more towards the man coverage so they can send extra blitzers in. It looks like we're gearing up to play more man coverage ourselves. But what are we doing with three safeties? A lot of people, you know, we've speculated too that there won't be three safeties come opening day, that Cersei will end up getting traded. But we'll see what happens with that unit. I'm just really curious. That's kind of what the season hinges on. If we can stop people, if we don't have, you know, Valentino Blake and Cox back there just making stupid plays, 
if the defense can hold up their end and just hold serve, the offense should be just on fire this year. So I'm really curious to see what happens to that secondary when we have leads. Can they cover somebody? Can they you know, come up and make tackles in the running game? There's a lot of work to be done as we revamp that back end. So as far as the, the safeties go, I think we're going to see a lot of different packages. I do want to see Cyprian also come up maybe in some sort of package with where he plays you know, the linebacker's position for uh, a little bit of better coverage, I guess. But you're right about the nickel slot corners that we have an abundance of. I think we're going to have to see either whether it be a Dory Jackson or LaShawn Sims just thrive on the outside. Otherwise, I really do think we're going to have to see Logan Ryan play outside. I know that's probably not ideal, but until we get this thing addressed, I think it's something that we need to try and see if it works. And talking about these safeties, you know, you talk about these corners, how we have only slot guys, only nickel corners, and it does feel like that. But for me as well, at the safety, it feels like we only have guys that play good against the run. I know we saw it from Bayard in college, that ball hawking ability, but as a pro, we just saw a you know solid tackling ability, and that was that was really it. Cyprian is only going to be good against the run. He's not a guy that's great in coverage. It feels like we don't have a guy that can play over the top to help these corners, which is scary when you don't when you feel this uncertain about your corners. And we have young guys like Jackson, who we just drafted, and and Sims, who we got last year, who I think can provide a lift for us at corner as the season wears on. It's just not the ideal position you want to be in right now. Definitely corner and safety are going to be positions to watch, not just in training camp, but all season long. In my mind, I think corner probably is the most interesting battle to see who ends up where. But other than that, I think there's three major ones that I'm looking forward to anyway. Other than the, the secondary, of course, I think that the the linebacking core is probably most interesting to me because that's a gaping hole when we think about what, what we have or what we had last season as far as uh, the coverage goes. I know that uh, Jayon Brown is an outside linebacker, but I want to I know what happens when he's on the field. I was talking with, with Glenn earlier about this. I would almost rather see him sub in for a Wesley Woodyard as opposed to a Derek Morgan or, or a Rackpo. But I do think we need to see him on the field in different packages to try to you know, switch things up and maybe get some guys that know how to cover the tight end and just over the middle of the field in general. I was suggesting that it would be subbing out Morgan, but as you said, it, you know, Woodyard or Williamson, I like them both, but neither one of them are exactly stellar against tight ends. Subbing him in for one of them and letting him cover the tight end, that leaves your pass rush intact on the outside edge, so that makes a lot of sense. And also, you know, I I didn't even finish my thought. The third position I was talking about, wide receiver, because th- those three positions are basically the only ones that have any kind of intrigue as far as we don't know who's going to be where. We kind of have an idea. We talked about it last week with where Decker will be. I think we're going to see a lot of rotation. But, again, you don't know whether he lines up as – you know, the X or the Z or, or where exactly we're going to start start out with him. You know, who falls down the depth chart, who even makes the team. I think that's going to be very important. I think we lose two of our current, well, maybe even three. I'm actually one of the guys that is opposed to keeping Eric Weems. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I, I, he obviously doesn't hold any value at the wide receiver position. And I honestly don't want to see him return any kicks. I don't know how you guys feel about that. 
I'm right there with you. Before we had someone who we believe in return kicks, he made some sense, but I never thought he was going to be on the team very long, no matter what. When we first signed him before the draft, I even said I thought that he was brought here so John Robinson didn't have to go draft a kick returner. He was just an insurance pick. He, we got him here so we didn't have to go get a guy that could return kicks. But we ended up getting two guys, and Jackson in the first round, and then uh, later on in the draft, Kalfani Muhammad, that can return kicks. So you're bringing Eric Weems back to be, what, second on your depth chart and punt returns third on your depth chart and kick returns sixth on your depth chart as a wide receiver, especially for what he's making, completely unnecessary. I do think that he is going to find himself off the team. Or maybe I shouldn't say find himself off the team, but he should be off of the team. I don't know what the team will decide to do, but I don't think he should stick around. And and one last thing I'll touch on with the receivers is the fact that Tajay Sharp's got this this injury where I think he just had surgery. It's nothing major, but you know he should be back, but he's not going to be caught up with all the other guys. I don't know. It just seems to me like Malarkey may have something out for him. I don't know if it's the offseason uh, incident that he and Trey Tola got into recently, but I do think that Taewon Taylor has the inside track for that fourth receiver spot, and I don't know that Tajay is going to be able to bounce back from that, especially with this injury going on right now. And like Matt said, it's not a, a very serious injury, but the timing could not be worse for Taze Sharp. You're getting ready to go into training camp here and try to cement your spot on this roster, and now you have an injury to go through, so you won't be able to run routes for a while. You won't be out there doing everything that Corey Davis will be doing, doing everything that Taewon Taylor will be doing, doing everything that Decker and Matthews will be doing. This is going to give you a big disadvantage, so definitely not... Great timing for Tajay Sharp, and this could be really detrimental for him if he doesn't bounce back fast. But we're talking about these questions that we have leading into training camp, and I have two that you guys haven't brought up yet. The first one's going to be Kevin Dodd. What are we going to see from him? Is he ready? You know, we're, we're told that he's going to be ready for training camp injury-wise. Is he mentally there? Is he mentally ready to be in training camp? That's the first one for me. And obviously we can't really speculate on that until we see something from him. The next for me is, is do we bring anybody in? Do we sign anybody that gets waived or cut off of their roster? That's going to be interesting for me, especially in the secondary, uh, maybe inside linebackers, a place where you could be looking too. But if we bring a, you know, a veteran guy in that doesn't quite make the cut, that'll be something I'm definitely looking out for, just like you do every single year that you have training camp. Yeah, clearly injury with, with Dodd, Mariota, and Corey Davis are obviously huge huge things that I'm looking forward to seeing if they can bounce back or, or even in Corey Davis's case, you know, get started. You know, it all it all goes back with this receiving core. The the one thing that really stands out to me is the fact that we got all these guys coming in with so much to prove and we really don't you look at Rashard Matthews, who obviously earned his, his spot on the team last season, played great. But, you know, not too long ago, he was unproven. He came in, put in the work, and, and you know, you see where he's at. He's going to be the kind of mentor to all these guys, and obviously Eric Decker as well. You know, these young guys have so much in front of them that I think, I honestly think that even if Tajay Sharp didn't have this injury, I think Taewon Taylor would still hit the ground running and, and be able to beat out Sharp. And, and, you know, if Sharp's our last receiver on the depth chart, you know, that's a good place to be. And when you got a young Mariota coming into his own, 
throw in our running backs on top of this offense with Delaney Walker and, you know, Anjanu Smith, who is supposedly a clone of Delaney Walker. The sky's the limit for this offense. Speaking of injuries, Eric Decker, he's coming off injuries too. We're not sure, you know, what we're really getting from him just on health. We know who he should be, but, you know, he's also a health question. So we've got three receivers, Davis, Sharp, and Decker, that all three of them have health questions to prove. But other than that, yeah, I completely agree, Matt. This offense should be all kinds of fun to watch this year. I will say, guys, that a lot of these injuries don't bother me. If you look at Corey Davis, very young guy. Also, we've already seen him starting to run around and stuff and in many camps. We were talking to Chris Newall about it just the other day when we had him on the show, Matt, and he was talking about how he's running around at full speed. So that doesn't bother me that bad. Tajay Sharp, young guy, not a very serious injury. Marcus has had some injuries in the past. This was a big injury, but it happened late in the season. We've had a lot of time to get him through rehab and get him where he needs to be, and we're taking the injury slow. Decker's the one that makes you a little little scared. Just because he's 30 years old and those injuries get harder and harder to come back from the more and more you age. So that one is the only one that, that gives me some pause, but I still think he's going to come back and he'll be all right. Matt and Glenn, we've spent a while tonight talking about what we expect to see and the questions that we have for training camp. But a big one is always camp battle. So what is your guys' biggest camp battle going into training camp? Really, it's the uh, cornerbacks for me. Like I said, I, I want to see who's the number two guy. Uh, I think we all believe Logan Ryan is number one. So who's number two? I want to see what kind of sets they come out in, how they're using these guys. But is it going to be Sims? Is it going to be Jackson year one? I mean, there's there's lots of questions there on that secondary. And I just I really want to see how it falls out. That's the obvious answer. There's there's no other. You know, it's it's our biggest question mark on this team, and it, it's basically going to decide how we end up in the final race going you know going through this season. So, you know, when you put Logan Ryan in that one spot, it kind of takes him out of the conversation for him being a possible corner, but I'd love to see I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to see Adoree Jackson and uh LaShawn Sims take that outside role. I don't I don't think it's going to play out that way, but in my mind, I guess ideally that's what I want to see. I don't think it's going to happen. I think we have to use Logan Ryan on the outside. You know, Adoree Jackson could be something special. It's just I don't think we see that right away. And I think LaShawn Sims probably is, is primed. You know, we haven't even talked about the uh, guy that I, I – I brought him up last week or two weeks ago, I'm sorry, but Demontre Hurst. I think he is going to step in and, and play well for us. So he's kind of that dark horse – but I do expect him to make the team, and, and he may come out of nowhere and surprise everybody and, and you know who knows, get a starting spot. You never know. It, it's it's going to be a battle, and that's obviously the most intriguing one that we're looking at. I agree with you guys here. It's obviously corners, and agree with you, Matt, here. Hurst does make the team. I don't think he'll be a big contributor his first year. I do think he makes the team, though. It's going to be interesting, guys. You know, Logan Ryan, obviously the best corner on the team, but he does his best work in the slot. You have a young guy like Sims, who's up and coming. Jackson, who has all the promise in the world, but is really raw. We need to figure out what we're going to do, though, to stop these teams. And we can't be successful when we play against great teams or, you know, if we make a playoff run, if this secondary doesn't contribute, at least. So... 
definitely the biggest question going in. The biggest battle that we'll be watching for is that cornerback. Uh, let me ask you guys something. What's your main concern? If you had to name one thing on this. Seriously, this... Matt. It's the same thing we were just talking about in our secondary, our cornerbacks are, I would even expand it to the inside linebackers and just say our ability to cover in general is the thing that worries me the most. Obviously you saw what tight ends did to us last year when we played against guys like Doyle and Fedorowicz really ate us up. That, that has to change. We have to be able to cover down the field with our corners. We need help over the top and our safeties. Just coverage as a whole is the thing that I'm most worried about going into this season. You know, the thing I think that put the biggest pressure on our defense last year was actually not the, the secondary. It was the linebackers. Can we cover tight ends this year? We got torched horribly <laughs> all year long. and it, it made everybody play differently. It it broke your heart whenever uh, you know, the defenses put two really good stops together and then they give up a yet another first down to a tight end. That's my biggest question, I think, really. Uh, the, the secondary was terrible last year. I don't think they can be any worse than that. I think they're going to at least be okay there. I'm most interested to see how that works out in the secondary because if they turn out to be good, then we have a really good shot. But my biggest concern is, you know, Jayon Brown, is he the answer to the tight ends kicking our ass? That, that's like the only thing we did to address that this offseason. So I really hope that he comes in and he's starting to you know challenge tight ends on their routes and all of a sudden we are giving up the ball over the middle all game long. Yeah, secondary is obviously top concern, but to to go another route and my second main concern, I don't know how you guys feel about the situation, but I'm all in with Marcus Mariota, but I don't know what we're going to do if he's out for a game or two. Like, Matt Castle is not the guy we want going in. Alex Tanney probably isn't the guy we have going in. I get that the the coaching staff is, is familiar and maybe comfortable with Matt Castle, but you know he he's not a guy that I feel comfortable with sending in if we ever need him. At what point do we address this backup quarterback situation? Matt, this is something that I've brought up on the show before because I don't think Matt Castle is the answer. You have a young franchise quarterback that has gone down in each of his first two seasons. You need a solid backup if you really want to plan on sustaining playoff pushes and you know playoff runs if your quarterback does go down Matt Castle's not the answer and as much as people love Alex Taney he's not the answer either I thought we'd maybe try to do something this offseason obviously that didn't happen so I think that next offseason you're going to see us either draft a quarterback or go out and sign a veteran guy uh, to back up Marcus for long term but it has to happen soon. We need a guy that can come in and replace Marcus for those times that he does go down and it doesn't impede our chances of winning football games. That's all we have for the show this week. Be sure to check out the raffle and pay your $2 so you have a chance to win these great tickets to the Week 9 game against the Baltimore Ravens. Also, however you listen to the show, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, go give us a good review. This helps us get advertisers, which helps us keep this show going longer and helps us upgrade the show. So if you like hearing us, give us a good review however you listen. We really appreciate it. Thanks for my awesome co-hosts, Matt and Glenn, for being here with me tonight as always. Thanks to those awesome fans out there listening that make this show possible. And as always, tighten up. Tighten up. Yes, tighten up. What, What he said. 
Well, yeah, well, clean your ears. <laughs> no. Anyway. No. Did you both for <laughs> No. <laughs> Not going to do it. Going to have Not 30 years. Go fuck yourself. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.